What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Wednesday, January 8th, 2020. Oh my gosh, you know, it's still tripping me out. What's up, guys? My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Natalie Zamudio. What up, Double G? Yeah, 2020. It feels weird to say. I did get a kick out of all the uh, Barbara Walters references, though. That was pretty hilarious. <laughs> I mean, she's had a whole career to practice, right? Yeah, whole career. <laughs> no, but um, it's. I think more than, you know, like, I always say it. Even, like, December 31st to January 1st, it feels a little different. But the first Monday after New Year's, when everyone's officially, all right, guys, time to go back to work. Kids are back at school, life outside the house just returns a little more to normal. It's just weird. And, you know, you see, like, you go to Walmart, all the Christmas stuff is gone, and they're pushing Valentine's Day already, and it's like, oh, man. Dude, I know. That's crazy. Like, I went to Target, like, a week ago to buy a baby clothes, and they are already selling Valentine's baby clothes. I was like, are you kidding me? I swear, they had uh, the Valentine's Day stuff like December 27th at my Walmart. It was not It's uh, unreal, not dude. Funny. It's like, not cool. Yeah, it's not cool. It's like, can we just take a minute here? I didn't even, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you got to make, I get it. That's how it is now. And it's been like that for a while. But the Valentine's Day one is like, it's not even close to being the same as Christmas. Like, this is not necessary, but whatever. Yeah, I hear you. Um, as always, how's baby Joe doing? He's, oh, baby's, I, uh, yeah, he's good. <laughs> he's I heard he's close to a do. month already. Is that what, is my math correct? Is, Your math has is it on. really already been a month? Uh, it's almost. So the 15th, he's, uh, he's a month old and he's doing his baby best. He's eating, pooping and sleeping. Like what they say about babies is completely true. That's all <laughs> they do. And, <laughs> um, it's been pretty cool, but also, you know, I could use a nap. <laughs> Be real with me. How are you doing on sleep during the night? Like on a scale uh, of 1 to 10? It's like um, like I'm, if, uh, three hours is good. <laughs> it's a good night. Yeah. Be <laughs> strong, Natalie. I believe It's in you. unreal, man. I didn't know how much little sleep I needed to survive, <laughs> which is a great thing to realize you know it's like oh okay i didn't need eight hours of sleep that was just wasting time <laughs> all these years hey the second you get a good night again you're gonna be like oh my gosh i feel like wonder woman <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be amazing yeah i can probably like go back to having normal i don't know my brain will be out of the fog you know i have just enough juice to do this podcast and then i completely lose uh <laughs> Lose all sense. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into it, guys. Because there's no fights going on, there hasn't even really been news going on, which I'm kind of thankful for because it means you can kind of just... It means people are still enjoying their vacation, which I think is healthy. But since we are finally a little bit removed, we've had time to breathe and really digest everything. So this week's episode is the MMA Daily 2019 MMA Awards. So... Yes, if you are thinking we are, my name's Ariel Helwani and I have a bunch of guests from the world of mixed martial arts, uh, you're sadly mistaken. But we will have all the categories, we will have a lot of fun stuff, and we will be 
agreeing, debating, and everything in between on who really stood out and who takes the number one spot for every, you know, for all of our categories. So, you know, relax, have fun. Maybe you're listening to us in the car. Pay attention to the road, please. And let's get it started. So before we get to any of the fun ones, um, this one I want to start off with the news story of the year. So obviously, you know, there's fight announcements and all that, but at a certain point, there's just stuff like a storyline that wasn't just, oh, it's a matchup. It's a whole other context to it. And so this is where that one really came into place. Um, Natalie, there were, I'll be honest, I was very tempted to make it the ESPN uh, plus deal with UFC because I feel like it changed everything. Like just the way you watched your MMA essentially in 2020, sorry, 2019 shifted. But because technically they announced it the year before, I was like, okay, just, I feel like that was already the story. So I cheated. So my top story of 2019 was actually the BMF title at Madison Square Garden. Um, you know, in terms of groundbreaking stuff, not exactly the most dramatic thing ever, like the sale of the UFC. But to me, this one took the cake because of all of the context. You had Nate Diaz, and it is, you know, his hiatus, beats Anthony Pettis, calls for a whole belt that suddenly everyone is not only on board with, but now we're talking about bringing in The Rock. And there's all of our BMF, BFF puns and everything in between. And um, it just became one of these really reference fights. And on top of it, you had one of the more exciting matchups with personalities and styles with Jorge Masvidal and Nate. And uh, there was just genuine excitement. The fight came together. There was the Nate Diaz. Did he pop? Was he clean? And all that. Just mini controversy a week out. So... When you put the whole fight week together and everything that happened, to me, the BMF experience, I'll call it, in November took the top spot. It was just a lot of fun. It was the biggest break from the norm that I think we've had in a long time. Yeah, it, it was. And you reminded me about the Nate Diaz uh, uh, popping as being part of the story. It, it had a, its own roller coaster uh, journey, that matchup. And then what I like too is how it just, uh, birthed like all these conversations with other fighters and you know if you could do bmf in every division and so it's a it's a storyline that actually still has legs because i think um you know conor mcgregor is at least in the interview i saw dana white with uh, brett okamoto talking about how he wants you know a shot at masvidal and so the even though dana white says bmf is one and done I mean, we could put some money on it to see if that's really going to be true. That could be the new story of 2020 uh, at the end of the year. <clears throat> I think the fun stuff, like, I mean, for crying out loud, wonder it got so much just like pop culture traction that, you know, Stephen Thompson is being given a belt by Helwani to be the nicest <laughs> in the game. That's how big it was. Yeah. And they felt the need to crown the opposite also just for the fun of it. Um, I'm with it. Uh, here's my question because I want to hear your pick. Masvidal fights again, obviously. In the event that he is defeated, should he have to hand over the BMF belt to the winner? If it were a, hypothetically a Connor, a Kamaru, or someone like that? You know what? I was about to say no, but I feel like you have to. If you lose a fight, and even if the belt's not, let's say, officially on the line, like 
you know, the UFC doesn't put it on the line. If you're holding a belt that's the BMF belt, that is MF or I feel like it's, it's always, you know, unofficially, officially on the line when you fight. And yeah, if someone beats you, hand it over, man. I think that's fair. I will say this. Um, he earned it. It's a one-off. If he wants to leave it in the trophy case, that's it. But if you make a show of bringing it out and anything else like that, it, you almost got to put your money where your mouth is, especially the character of Jorge Masvidal. We all know, he, you know, his thing is being he's a legit gangster who fought in the backyards and all that. So I will say that if he kind of goes all out bringing it out with him, you almost got to put your money where your mouth is if you're going to say, hey, he's not the BMF I am and if he were to lose. Now, mind you, he's on a great run. That could not happen for a while, but that's obviously, you know, a story for another day. But I will say that with the whole BMF title and the belt and everything else. Um, but that's my pick. What was your pick for the top story of 2019? So my pick is not a specific event or storyline. It's, um, it's basically what ran the whole year uh, uh, and made news every, you know, so often throughout the year, which is Conor McGregor. And his troubles with the law. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to go specifically into all the incidents that he's had. But even without fighting, this guy is popping on the news headlines every uh, every month, every other month. I mean, everyone's talking about him. He's, throughout this year, has been tweeting uh, or, yeah, tweeting people, tweeting fighters about, you know, if they had a great fight, hey, I want to fight you. Like, he's managed to keep his name in the in the headlines. Um for better or worse, and I think it's so interesting that without having fought, he's still been one of the top names driving traffic to, to MMA websites. And so for that reason, I pick him as the, the essentially the news story of the year because he never left, never left the news, never left the headlines. And now it pays off. Now he's got his big fight coming up in, what, next Saturday? If I, yep. Yep, yeah. So, so yeah, to me, it's like no matter what else peaked on a certain day or a certain week or a certain month, Conor McGregor was always right there on his news news train, making uh, making a headline. So he's my pick. You know, uh, I think the thing with Conor McGregor that um, at least 2019, uh, you know, looking at it, yeah, obviously there's a lot you could discuss when he's a star that big. But to play a little bit of devil's advocate, is he getting into more trouble or is it because he's a big name that we notice when he gets in trouble? I mean, I think that uh, I want to bring up, a, you know, that factor of it is that, you know, let's be honest, most people don't care about MMA fighters the way they care about, you know, uh, like say you're LeBron James, your NBA, NFL, soccer, other stars that you're familiar with. I think that's part of it. Um, you brought it up. He's, he was clearly itching for a fight in 2019 um, with uh, several of the incidents, unfortunately. Um, I... <laughs> I wonder, I mean, look, I, I can't speak on what it's like to go from being a plumber to being one of the top 10 highest paid athletes in the world for, what was it, the 2017 when he fought Mayweather? Um, I can only imagine. Clearly, you know, when you have a lot of means, it's not unheard of that outside influences can, you know, get in the way and you get into, you make bad decisions. It's not unheard of. He's not the first athlete to do it. I will say this, when we hear John Kavanaugh and other guys talk about it, um, I would hope that the structure of a fight camp, the structure of a schedule and everything, 
is a positive influence, like Connor. You know, enjoy Connor Jr. Have a nice party for your friends, because, you know, what's the point of having money if you don't spend it a bit? But at the end of the day, just, you know, focus on your thing. You're still one of the most entertaining guys in the sport, in combat sports, and he is still a very talented martial artist. Now, obviously, he's in a loaded field, welterweight, featherweight, well, you know, lightweight, for crying out loud. It's not an easy task, <coughs> task to get one of those championship belts at this stage, but he is still a very talented guy, and, you know, uh, I'll say it to address the elephant in the room. I'm not a believer in, you know, I know what it looks like with all of the other stuff, allegedly, you know, I don't pass judgment until it goes. Just because that is the nature of a lot of the stuff we're in, I am very aware it looks bad. I am very aware that we all want some kind of resolution so we can kind of, you know, morally, I think, just address it. But until anything else happens, it's like, look, here is what is proven. Here is what he has addressed. Here's what other people have addressed. We have a big fight. This is where we're at. I'm ready to enjoy it. I hope for all parties involved, we could just focus on some good old-fashioned MMA entertainment. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm definitely not, not passing judgment. It's just, you know, he, he has been making the news for better or worse for, for very specific reasons. And, yeah, it is what it is. I'm still a huge Conor McGregor fan. Um, and, yeah, man, I mean, you got to just even, – uh, even Dana White kept uh, insisting to Brett Okamoto, you know. This is uh, – this he hasn't been charged with anything. It's and like so, allegedly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, uh, you know, whatever, again, I'm not, I don't bring it up to pass judgment. I don't even need to talk about the specific incidents. It's just that he has never left the news, uh, the, the, uh, the news stories, uh, he's never left. He's been there just despite not fighting. Think of anybody, any other fighter in the UFC or MMA period isn't fighting and has been in the news as much as this, uh, was Conor McGregor. So that's all. It's very true. And you know what? He is the biggest star in the game for the reason. I've, <clears throat> I've brought it up. It's kind of like, you know, when it comes to MMA and Connor, it's kind of like saying you love Hogwarts, but you hate Harry Potter. <laughs> You're almost not allowed to all the time. You know what I mean? So, you know, uh, yes, he has kept himself in the news. Yes, it was a lot of other stuff. But like once again, you know, do you, you know, is there another student more important than Harry Potter at Hogwarts? Even when he's gone, he's still the guy. You know this. Yeah. So, and I think that's how I compare it for Conor McGregor. Yep, anyway, pretty much. By the way, I challenge you to tell me another MMA reporter who's going to compare Conor to Harry Potter. <laughs> All of you listeners out there, hit me up at Double G on TV. All right, next uh, topic. The WTF most unusual slash surprising story of the year. So a lot of stuff more or less is according to plan. But there is some stuff that even we are just like, wait, they are really doing this? Now, there were a couple <laughs> that, you know, almost because they're almost a bit of crossover, I wanted us to have it. Artem Lobov challenging Pauli Malinaji, and it was kind of like to avenge Conor McGregor and all that, you know. I had that one I was tempted, but I let it pass because it's like, ugh, not enough MMA. The Logan Paul thing. Even he talked a lot about UFC, but because it was boxing, couldn't do that one either. So in the end, my pick for the most WTF story was Tito Ortiz fighting former WWE champ Alberto Del Rio on pay-per-view for Combate Americas. And that was because 
I think I counted it. It was either the third or fourth return from retirement for Tito. <laughs> uh, both of the guys' ages. The fact that uh, El, you know, El Patron had not fought since about 2010. And then it was the fact that Combate Americas went for the pay-per-view in this one, which was, you know, after everything that happened with the Golden Boy MMA, it just felt like a head-scratcher. And you know what? When I was done with it, and I'm like, no, nah, we're we really doing this. This is really going to happen. Um, that one, to me, was just like, I almost can't believe it, you know? So that one became, that one was my WTF story. It was just so from left field. It was very hard to just analyze and really go at it from your traditional uh, perspective, really. Yeah, the, the for, to me, the kook, well, there's two kooky elements there, is... Uh, the uh, the opponent chosen for Tito Ortiz and what what ended up happening? Did did did, uh, did he get the the belt, the WWF belt? Yes, you know? he did, and he presented he it to his his son, who is a big WWE fan. Nice. Uh, so so that one was a head scratcher, but also yeah, it being offered on pay per view. Do you happen to know how it performed? I, I I don't. I am not surprised that I don't think those numbers have been released. <laughs> uh, yeah, not surprised exactly. That, yeah, head scratcher is is putting it mildly for for that present that um that choice to put it on pay per view. I know they're not with the zone anymore, but jeepers, there should have been. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It makes zero sense, and and it makes them look mm, makes them look weird. I'll I'll put it I'll I'll put it nicely. Um, yeah, that <laughs> that was uh that was pretty interesting. I I do. Agree with you that there are some, you know, some other f- good options with the BKFC and Logan Paul stuff, but uh, I think you have a solid pick here because because Tito Ortiz is a big name and, and Combate is, is is on the rise, you know, and they they're making smart choices. Except this one, I feel like is not there. No, it's you have a very valid, you know, argument there. I think that's what we were all thinking, but um. Yeah, it was quite something, but um, I will say this, you know, final note, they did raise their profile, which if that was what it was always going to be about, then by all means, mission accomplished. If you knew that that was going to be the only goal going in after all these other factors to it, well, you know, the job was done. But yeah, it was quite the story, but I know you have one. What was your pick for WTF story? So I, I sort of, you know squeeze the square peg into a round hole here on this one. Um, for me, it was WTF story of the year because of how adamant, uh, this, this fighter was about not having lost the fight. So my pick is TJ Dillashaw popping for EPO. And when you look back at how he reacted after he lost to Henry Cejudo, the audacity, you know, going on the Joe Rogan podcast and saying like, I could have, I could have, I could have won this, you know, I wasn't out, you know, I trained so hard. I trained so hard. I cut all this weight. Like you got to have some kind of mind to go around publicly and talk about how difficult uh, your weight cut was and how hard you worked when you know you cheated. And so for me, it's like, wow, I really did, did say like WTF when that news came out because it's unreal to me that, that he, that TJ just, completely put aside this huge lie and and went out and, and publicly continued to lie more. And so I know he's on his path to redemption and can't wait to see what he looks like when he his suspension is up. But 
it was definitely a, uh, uh, a crazy storyline and a crazy moment for me. Um, especially because he had done such great things right before that incident, uh, you know, knocking out Cody Garbrandt two times in a row and he was looking like the good guy in some respects because Cody and Uriah Faber were just hammering him over this life choice that he made to leave their gym. And to me, they were looking kind of petty. And so, you know, starting to sort of really think TJ Dillashaw is this, this really good guy, this talented fighter, this great coach. And then boom, you find out he's been cheating in a, in a pretty dirty way and, uh, and, and still lost to Henry Cejudo. So that's my pick. Maybe it doesn't quite fit in that story in that category, but uh, I'm making it fit. <laughs> No, I, I will say you um, got creative with how you read the assignment, which, you know, <laughs> ironically, last year's awards, um, you know, if you guys remember, I had to have another similar situation be explained, but you still passed the test. Um, with me, with the TJ Dillashaw thing, um, for myself was just, when you compare, okay, anytime you have something like that when you're champion, there's the fall from grace, right? Like, man, you just, uh, it's a bad look. No matter how you skin that cat, it's a bad look. For me, in context, at least John Jones had the picogram argument to kind of fall back on. Everyone and every expert has told you, EPO, you have to literally do the stereotypical get take the needle and stick it in yourself to, you know, to pop for it. It's just, oh man, it's it doesn't get much uglier um for tj dillashaw i think we're all we're all aware that the fire just has to burn out slowly there's no expediting it there's no opening up a shelter for puppies and kittens that's going to help the <laughs> reputation you literally just kind of got to you know pay your you know do your punishment yeah and just you know what can you say about it and now and it's unfortunate because you have the argument, you know, we're talking about the decade, right? Arguably the best bantamweight of the decade with, you know, the fights with Hennon Barrow and Uriah Faber and, and Cody. And suddenly in this context, it's like, now is it, does it look as good in all this and everything else? It's very unfortunate because he is a very talented martial artist who clearly changed up his game and was performing very well. And, you know, now this is over him and it's very hard and it's just, it, it was tough. I'm, I'm not uh, going to lie. That one stuck with me for a while because it's like, you know, you're talking about at the time, one of the most uh, dominant, you know, one of the longest standing champions. And then it's all over like that. And now you're talking about two years out. He still has another year to serve before he can fight. Um, it, it, what can you say? Wow you know very very wtf worthy yeah see we, we made it work <laughs> <laughs> well i'm gonna pass it to you then because next up for so now we get into some more of the fun ones biggest upset of the year now i always put this because if i'm being honest a lot of the times the winner of this category was a candidate for the uh, for one of the other ones they just didn't win it so i really like to include this one what was your biggest upset of 2019? So staying on the TJ Dillashaw track, not him, but but his opponent, Henry Cejudo, this time versus Marlon Moraes. Uh, he defeated Marlon Moraes in round three of a, a championship fight for the um, bantamweight title. 
And to me, this is upset of the year because Henry was, you know, he's a 125er. That's how he made his name in the UFC, going up a weight class, trying to be like, uh, the, you know, the next Conor McGregor with the two belts. And, uh, you know, he already had that great victory over TJ Dillashaw, but there was the, well, there was an asterisk that was then removed when TJ popped for EPO, right? Before that, before that had happened, it was like, oh, did, did, did they call the fight too early? So he goes up. He's a smaller dude. Marlon Marias is buffed. He looks like a mini Popeye. And he and Cejudo's getting beat, man. He's getting beat in that, in that fight. His legs are getting chopped down. To me, it's, it's the upset of the year because he really had to crawl back, climb back mentally, physically to, to beat down this much bigger, tougher opponent. And it was just such a triumph. I know he gets uh, sort of the eye roll from a lot of people, the cringe Hudo that he embraces. But this guy, man, this guy's got something, something special inside of him. He's an Olympian for a reason, a gold medalist for a reason. He's a two two belt division champ or two weight division champion, even though he just relinquished the 125 for a reason. And I think most people, despite his pedigree, felt like he didn't stand a chance moving up to 135, especially against Marlon, and he did it. And so for me, even though it was a long time ago and sort of off people's radars at this point, that's the upset of the year for me. I mean, I've said this a lot. If Marlon Moraes was a couple inches taller, you'd be talking about one of the most impressive physical specimens in MMA. That dude is cut, he's explosive, he's powerful. And yeah, you know, at 135, he was supposed to be too much for Henry. As good as Henry was, that damage was supposed to accumulate and break him down. And that was the real, you know, that was what we all thought at the end of the day, myself included. And you hit it right on the nail. For all the cringe hudo and everything, he dug deep, he withstood the fire, he came back, and he won was, you know, they didn't talk about it because, you know, it felt like it was one-sided. It Literally, the pendulum swung back and forth, and that was it. But that was a very exciting fight. Henry didn't take him down and wrestle him. He beat him down on the feet and just continued the onslaught until he got the finish. What was it, in the third, I believe? Third, that, yeah. Yeah, late in the third. That was just very impressive. I was, um... That was a good fight, just plain and simple. And yeah, I everyone thought it was supposed to be too much. The power was too much. Honestly, it looked like it was going to be. After those first five minutes, you tell me you think Henry's going to still be that fresh in round two. No way, man. I thought he was done. He yeah. thought, everyone thought he was done. And I don't know where he found it. I don't know where he found the juice. Uh, uh, you know, not, not that kind of juice, but the you know, <laughs> internal, you know... <laughs> natural man uh, natural man-made juice and uh he came back and he whooped him and it was awesome the the, the jokes write themselves don't they <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard isn't it it's, it, it's the hard. puns just happen you know naturally <laughs> no i'm i'm with you i'm with you but excellent fight oh henry cejudo you did have a good reason to be mad at ariel i think you're pushing it you kind of you know drank a little bit of the colby juice on your tweet, it's Cejudo, but I will say this. He had a great argument for fighter of the year off the back of that one, plus the context of the TJ fight. Um, that was a great upset. Mine, though, I, I couldn't uh, pick anyone over Li Zhang taking out just Gondraj. And I say this like, literally, I love saying it because she, I'm such a big fan. I always, she always brings the violence in the best way possible. Jessica Andras just fights with that gangster. She, they say go, 
and she hurts you until it is stopped or they tell her she's not allowed to hurt you anymore. And Weili Zhang just put it on her in China under a minute. Jessica coming at her. Um, just wow. Impressive. She reminded everybody why she's a top prospect. Um, I know that a bunch of people voted Wei Li over Amanda for Female Fighter of the Year. Um, I have reasons that I'll explain when we get to that award why I, you know, I guess spoiler alert, I did not go with Wei Li, but she deserves credit. And I'm also ended on this note before I pass it to you. Had Wei Li instead of Tisha Torres, let's say she had beaten Rose Namajunas this year, I would have given it to her hands down over the other two. Amanda or Shevchenko or one of the other top contenders because that level of competition and the coming out of nowhere factor she wasn't on our radar like this last year had she fought one more one more person I would have given it to her but because Tisha you know we know she struggled with a couple of the bigger athletes you know Whaley you know was still coming up I think that it just isn't a strong enough schedule to take the title but by all accounts, that was a great performance, and she is on our list to watch in 2020. Yeah, man, I remember that morning uh, that they fought because I had—I think I got an alert from like ESPN saying that, oh, you know, the fight's going to start. It woke it you like, up early too, right? Yeah, it was like five <laughs> in the morning, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, you know, ten more minutes, I'll get up. You know, don't worry, I have time. I have time. <laughs> then I get up put it on the ESPN app and it's like the end of the, it's like already over. She's got her hand raised and I'm like, what happened? What Karen Bryant's already talking to the guys about yeah. the next one. <laughs> like, well, how the heck did I miss this? So it was shocking. I, you know, I went back and started the, the fight again and I couldn't believe it. She blitzed her. She came out fearless. I mean, talk about being, being motivated uh, by being in your hometown and we're not talking hometown. I mean, this is a huge a huge country and a, a massive territory. The UFC knows it. They wanted her to, well, you know, if, if the Brazilian wins, that's great. If the, the, the Chinese fighter wins, that's amazing for what the future plans of the UFC are. So I think they were probably over the moon about her winning her, her post-fight interview was great. She says, um, you know, my name is Weili Zhang. I'm remember me. I'm from China or something to that effect. It was really cool. It's like a Rocky moment. And she blitzed Andrade, who is usually the type of fighter to, to, to pull out that kind of performance on somebody else. It was amazing. Uh, and I, I like this. I like this pick a lot. Yeah, I, I think the thing that you can't, you know, quantify, at least here in America, because their social media and their TV, it's just so, <clears throat> you know, there's just no disconnect. They don't have the Facebook and all that. They have their own stuff over there is that she is like a big crossover star over there. Like she is on big programs and she is doing big numbers when she's on TV in China. I don't think that, you know, obviously here, you know, most champions are probably ahead of her in terms of, uh, you know, what would you call it? Recognizability? I don't even know if that's a word, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Recognition, um, I guess. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. You know, she's not there. In China... She's the man, you know, so to speak. So uh, I think that that's something that you got to take into account. They have something over there that we're just not seeing here in America. Um, yeah, sure. It's, it is crazy. We have no clue how big she is and how big that market is and how open they are for combat sport, to combat sports and to MMA and the UFC. You know, you got one over there doing their thing. 
but the UFC is such a bigger brand that I think they can very easily just swoop in and, and, and take over that market. They got their facility. I don't know if it's open yet. The performance Institute oh, yeah. it's supposed to be ginormous, bigger than like way bigger than the Vegas one. So, you know, Weili Zhang, whoever she fights next, like the UFC is going to push her really hard. We may not even see the marketing effort here in the U.S., in the U.S., but in, in Asia, I imagine it's going to be ridiculous. Oh, yeah. That, and, but not for nothing, that fight with Joanna is fantastic, in my opinion. Oh, that's those right. Are, Thank you. Yeah. Those two women are going to bring it in March. Um, but yeah, so that's a good one for the upset. Let's get into one of the, the trickier ones, because I'll, I'll be honest, when it comes to submission of the year, I like my ridiculous degree of difficulty. Like, if it's not hands down the most epic submission, it's not even on my list. So I usually go for someone pulling something that, you know, you don't think you should really be able to see in competition happen. There weren't as many of those, if you ask me. So I had a pick, but I want to toss it. Or actually, you know what? Yeah, I'll take it because it's easier. The Bryce Mitchell twister on Matt Stiles kind of happened out of nowhere. I don't think a lot of people knew that Bryce Mitchell had the degree of jiu-jitsu to be able to pull off the, only the second twister in UFC history, but he did it. He pulled it off. He made it look awesome. Um, just checks a couple of those boxes for me, and I'll say this. I hope Reebok makes the camo shorts happen. If you can make that Conor McGregor t-shirt happen, you can make some camo shorts happen. Come on. Yeah, I can't believe it's taking this long. Like This is not the first time he's asked for it, and it's a really easy thing to do. They and, have so many uh, other prints. They could do yeah. it. And the prints that they're using are like, whatever. Do something cool, man. Do something creative. Uh, but no, the, the well, what struck me about this submission was how easily he got it. And when you when I watched the replay as the, they were talking through it, like the, the his opponent, uh, Matt Stiles, just had no idea what was happening to him. He left his whole body just wide open to this submission. And Bryce Mitchell was just like, okay, I'll take this arm. And then this arm, and oh, okay, I'm gonna wrap my my limb around here, and it was just like paint by numbers <laughs> the way he did it, and he did he didn't even do it that quickly, he was you know it was, it was paced out pretty slowly because he was just realizing what was coming right before him, one limb led to another, and then before you know it, the guy's in a twister. So I thought it was pretty cool too, and Bryce Mitchell's heck of a personality. So uh, it's uh, I would like to see yeah I like to see him get his camo shorts, and I want to see more of him in the octagon for sure. Uh, final note, Bryce, you keep them power drills away from those camo shorts. I mean, me. God almighty, Jesus. You keep the power drill. Uh, you know what? From now on, you pay, you're winning, you know, awards now. You can pay for someone to do the housework, the construction, I, man. I will say, though, you know, when I heard that story, I thought, wow, what presence of mind while being in that really terrible position to hit, to flip the reverse switch on that drill. Because a lot of people might have just started yanking. <laughs> but he uh, he 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 wisely uh, undid his own his own mistake before uh, before getting crazy. So saved himself, I'm sure, a lot of pain. The color in my face just leaves every time I <laughs> go through the. You, you you just imagine yourself in those shoes, man. It's it's horror <laughs> horrific. It's <laughs> um, unreal, dude. Change change my mind. So what was your submission of the year? Let's talk about something better. Yeah. So mine was was not actually like a. a spectacular uh rare submission it was really what it meant for the person who was submitted and that's why i i picked it so it's damian maya versus ben Askren. 
Uh, it was a beautiful performance by Damien Maya. To my eye, it really exposed Ben Askren's, um, uh, just, I guess just, you know, he, he has obviously now we find out this really, really terrible hip injury that's going to require a hip replacement. And so it explains a lot in, in hindsight about his performance. Cause he really, to me was not doing much on the feet, couldn't do anything to Maya in the grappling and Maya looked great. Maya was, was, uh, landing shots and then obviously got this, uh, the submission. So why I picked it because it was a great performance by Maya, but it ended up resulting in Ben Askren retiring from MMA for good, telling us he has a bad hip. You know, he came to the UFC. Everyone had high hopes for him, and he lost two in a row after his debut win, which was controversial, has that asterisk next to it. So some people might even say he lost three in a row in the UFC. And the question about could he make it in the biggest promotion out there was it answered i don't know i mean he had already retired before getting uh, picked up by the ufc so it's kind of like you know this was a um take two on his mma career and what kind of condition was he in all these questions will be asked and we'll never get the real answers to them but it uh it, mm. it was significant to me for that reason and because of Askren's connection to jorge masvidal who had an amazing year that's that's part of why I, I went with this one because Ben Askren was a significant player in 2019 for, for the UFC. Yeah, I think to me the fact that they had such a fun fight on the feet, which, you know, you talk about Ben Askren and Damian Maya, that's not something you're expecting to hear. But the fact is they did, and I thought they had a great performance, a great showing for themselves in that fight. And, um, yeah, just you feel like Ben Askren... The IQ in the grappling department, the fact that it's a guy, you know, it's Damian Maya, you know, you got to watch out, you know, anytime, you know, he has a finger on you, you should be, you know, thinking he's going to set up something and he could choke you. So the fact that he was still able to pull it off was fantastic. Um, in context, yeah, with the hip injury, the fact that it was his second take in, you know, his second attempt at the MMA or second run, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, look, I talked to him. He was a nice guy, fantastic guy, entertaining. I love the bromance with him and Tyron Woodley. I really do. I think people should have talked about it more. It was just so entertaining to watch. Um, but yeah, it's just how the cards, you know, were dealt. I saw that he tweeted that he's talking to ESPN about commentating. I would love for it to be MMA and UFC so we could keep listening to him. I think he's a lot of fun. But if not, you know, you got to imagine he's going to be around. He's going to be in the corner of Macy Barber and all these other guys over time. Tyron Woodley undoubtedly still talks to him. So I think there's still going to be more. But yeah, Damian Maya, he did what he's supposed to do. And that's sometimes very difficult. So I like that submission. Nice. Moving on, a very fun one. But I feel like there's nobody else. Nobody yes, else. a lot of them look good. There was nobody else. Knockout of the year. I'm going to spoil it for all of you, both of you guys, for everyone watching. Um, the knockout, we were in agreement. Jorge Masvidal over Ben Askren. Five seconds. I missed it live. <laughs> and I still can't believe it. Um, so on that note, take it away. Yeah, you and that dude looking down at his phone, cage side, both missed the, <laughs> the greatest knockout of 2019. John Anik and... was still talking. <laughs> they never get stopped when John Anik is still talking. Fight clock brought to you by Modelo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, <laughs> I mean, what's there to Nicole say about Lever. it, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, the reason, you know, obviously the timing, the the record breaking, the context of Ben Askren. I, let, remember, Jorge Masvidal was still on the upswing. He was not the BMF yet. For crying out loud, before the Darren Till fight, he was coming off a loss and hadn't fought in a year. And then he goes out and does that, which, don't get me wrong, people thought he could outstrike Ben Askren. No one thought he'd actually be able to pull that off when he hasn't really had a knockout like that, like, really ever in his career, if you ask me. So the fact that that happened, the fact that that came together for him, that was fantastic. The fact that, you know, freaking on the local circuit, I hear about it. People would be like, man, I'm going to Masvidal this dude and just come (laughs) out and knock him out. And I'm like, bruh, you're you know one and oh chill but uh, <laughs> no but for real you you know you'd have these guys on the upswing everyone was talking about it people outside the ufc were saying they were going to do it people would try it and you know when you have that kind of impact on the conversation i think that that's exactly why that one's a no-brainer yeah man i mean it not only was it the knockout of the year it's going to be added to greatest knockouts of all time and and i would venture to guess top five of all time like it's a ridiculous knockout the speed the style in which it was executed the personalities on both sides you know you can't script that that was just a beautiful thing and the and the 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 attack i guess after right he hits him and he's hammer fists him he gets down on the mat he does the wrestle the wrestling count I mean, the the whole thing that Masvidal did, it was great. It was amazing. And uh, now my brain is still a little mushy from uh, from three hours of sleep per night. So, But was it after this fight or the Till fight where he did the the three-piece? It oh, was after Till. After Till because Leon Till, Edwards that's right. and That's right, because uh, they were in London. Yeah. So in any case, he already had like the, the victory over Till. And then what, what, it, what was it really like? That was a great victory and it was in London, right? But yep. what made him really pop was the, the three-piece with the soda. And then he comes out and does this, and he's like, I mean, everyone's talking about him. He's he's the, the biggest new star of 2019. Uh, you know, amazing, amazing victory. Amazing knockout. I think that for me is that Jorge reached the point that the Diaz brothers did, and it's essentially doing the same thing. What is the thing about the Diaz brothers? They don't care about the corporate side of it. They don't care about playing, quote, the game being in, quote, the system and all that other stuff. He likes to fight, and he goes out there, and he fights like a guy who likes to fight. That is, you know, Masvidal got people on the train, finally, at this stage of his career, and he'd had a lot of up and downs, and, you know, there are a couple times, you know, let's be honest, he wasn't looking like the BMF. Now he's doing it, and it's been a very fun ride to watch, and the fight, the foil, the personality clash with Ben Askren just really put that knockout over the top because it was similar maybe not in scope or actually I guess you can say that for 2019 it did similar to the conflict between Dan Henderson and Michael Bisping and then you had that iconic knockout it was a lot of the same I feel like that's the most you know similar knockout we've seen since that fight like a little over 10 years ago Yeah, man, it's crazy, and and that's what's great about about MMA, but UFC, is that you get these awesome personalities, and if they can both talk a good game, 
or at least one of them can talk a great game and the other one reacts in the perfect kind of way. And then you get the finish in the, in the cage. Like it, it, it just, it's just a beautiful thing. Like these are so rare. And, and the, the fact that it was five seconds and it also has the advantage of breaking a record, you know, I mean, I, I, uh, well, this was the time we could have done a, a decade, best of the decade. And so, um, so for, just to throw that in there, I'll say, yeah, definitely uh, also knockout of uh, top knockouts uh, in the decade as well. There's no way it's not. Oh, absolutely. That one, you know, you could have an argument it's a top five knockout. Yeah, there are a lot of stuff, you know, there's a lot of flying knees. Francis Ngannou's knockout of Overeem going to stand out to me for a while, but that was a good one. No two ways about it. And the next one, we get to <laughs> probably the tougher ones. And so this one now, the fight of the year. I'm not going to lie. I went a little off the, you know, beaten path with mine. So I'm going to toss it to Natalie to talk about the next one. Yeah, so you, you, uh, you have a nice, yeah, a little bit off the beaten path pick. Mine is right down the middle and pretty much the consensus 2019 fight of the year uh, pick across a lot of the uh, MMA websites. Um, so I went with Israel Adesanya, Calvin Gastelum. And for me, what sealed it was that last round and specifically Israel Adesanya right before the round kicks off saying, mouthing the words, you know, I'm prepared to die in here. Like that is some cold, hard business to say, you know, that's some crazy stuff to say when you're in a real fight. And uh, I believed him and he believed it. And it showed because he really found that like extra 10th gear, whatever level gear it was that he needed to put down Gastelum. So that's why it's my pick. Not, not, you know, of course it was an amazing fight, but that specific moment is what elevated it to me for fight of the year. I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie. I was so on the fence with that one because I loved it. And I, I'm not going to lie. I was in an awesome spot to watch it. I was watching it with Ken Bryan and them at their watch party in Hollywood. And oh my gosh, we were just like, you know, going crazy. Exactly the way you want to enjoy fights with people making noise and going wild. That was where I was at to enjoy it with some good company. And the fight was so epic. You have, you know, obviously, yeah, that fifth round. I mean, both of them just go cold and Izzy just goes out there and, you know, bluntly like Kamaru in the fifth round with Colby just handles it. Izzy went out there, handled it. During the fight, Kelvin out striking him a bit in round one, rocking him, hurting him in what was it, round four. And Izzy still pulls it off. Both of them leveled up. Both of them, it was a hard one to pick against. I loved that fight. It was just a lot of fun. I get it. I know I'm in the minority when I tell you it wasn't mine, but I'm not Stupid, I know how epic it was. I get it, guys. I get it. I'm doing a poll um, on Instagram. Everyone's picking Adesanya versus Gastelum. <laughs> I, it, it's completely fair. I was yep. thinking a lot about the fights. <laughs> I was thinking a lot about the fights that... When was the last time you got surprised by something that wasn't a big UFC main event or co-main that you knew you had to be excited for? And you uh, know yes. what? Honestly, <laughs> I was still thinking about this fight and it was just like, I just love it so much. They freaking brought it. It was so 
cool. It was so good. There was so much context and story. I hadn't watched them before, but I knew that there was bad blood that they were handling. And that was Angela Lee against Zhang Jingnan in one championship um, for uh, Angela's atomweight title, which over there would be their strawweight. Angela had previously tried to take Zhang's um, strawweight title, which is their flyweight, 125 pounds. So there was bad blood. You could tell Zhang Jingnan coming out just really was ready to handle it. And then Angela Lee, she's kind of got that sweet look, innocent look going on. And then she just turns into the killer in the cage. It was awesome. And these two women beat the crap out of each other for 25 <laughs> minutes. Angela Lee with the buzzer beater rear naked choke. I think it was in the last minute, if I'm not mistaken. Just yep. epic. I loved it. And you know what? I don't care. I thought it was that awesome. Yeah, I mean, I love the the history of, you know, between them with fighting at the two different weight classes for each other's belts. And yeah, it was down to the wire here. Just looking at topology, four minutes, 48 seconds of round number five. So uh, yeah, it, it was a crazy fight. And I like um, that. Well, it's kind of like what we're talking about with Li Zhang, like Angela Lee's She's a pretty darn big star over there, right? Yeah. I mean, she lives in, I think she lives in Singapore. And Hawaii, she's probably, I think. Oh, Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. Oh, getting all my info wrong. but It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, that's why there's two of us. <laughs> yes, exactly. I live in Singapore. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that I like, the, I like the pick. I like the left field pick because that's kind of what this year in review is about is like, they're the ones that really stand out. But then you got to go back and ask yourself, like, okay, there were plenty of amazing fights, right? And I don't want to miss something that was amazing but was just long enough ago that that I'm going to forget it. And now this was October, but still, like, you know, it had me this, – this, this episode had me going back to, like, January just to make sure, like, I was not really missing anything obvious. So I think you got a good pick here. And Angelie was coming off of two losses, which I didn't realize. So it was a big fight for her. No, she did. <clears throat> she did work, and I think that was the big one. And it was just a fun fight, guys. I get it. It, it. One championship. It's early in the morning. It's on YouTube, free. It's not even YouTube TV like Cobra Kai. Go watch it. It's <laughs> worth your time. I promise. Um, let's move on because we still got two big categories, and of course a recap. Female fighter of the year. I'm gonna spoil it for you guys again. We agreed. We have Amanda Nunes taking the cake. Um, I'm going to do mine because it's very quick and I feel like there's nothing more that needs to be said. She won the game. She kind of, you know, she beat the last boss and now the Amanda Nunes character is just in free roam in the video game. The strength <laughs> of schedule. She's now beaten every other champion at 135 and 145. Um, she followed up on an amazing 2018 with beating Chris Cyborg. Um, and quite bluntly, she just had, a, I think, in my opinion, a little bit tougher schedule than Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, it's hard for I mean, there was really no, as much as I love Valentina Shevchenko, there was no doubt in my mind that, that Amanda Nunes is female fighter of the year. And, and even though this fight was in December of 2018, like, it's hard not to, to consider her defeat of Chris Cyborg when you're thinking about her in 2019. You know, that was December 29th, 2018. So it's basically 2019 but we gave her the award last year already that was oh the you trick did okay I, I you know so what that I was, was, that that's was the trick my time. 
that's the trick to it is that everyone you know you can't give it to her again just because it was at the minute she had to earn it but she did that was my whole thing about it is that everyone gave her the award last year for that one too yeah well you know what yeah last year looking at a well last year she only had two fights interesting okay but yeah that that's the that's the biggest biggest female fight uh, of 2018 so but just looking at 2019 the way she beat Holly Holm with that head kick and saying that she wanted to do it with the head kick and the way that Holly Holm beat Ronda Rousey, like that was just perfect, man. You can't, you can't write that. It was a beautiful win. Her fight with Jermaine, very interesting, you know. Uh, she did what she had to do. She took her down. She held her down. And it's on Jermaine. If you want to be a complete MMA fighter, you got to be able to get back up. Jermaine couldn't do it. Uh, what I thought was 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 kind of telling though was um, I saw the sneak peek for the thrill and the agony, and you see Jermaine in the cage there immediately calls her mom after the loss, and uh, after the fight I should say the the official decision had not been given yet, but she knew she lost. She told her mom they don't want to fight me here, and uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. I think <laughs> if they had kept it on the feet, who knows how the fight would have turned out. But Amanda Nunes is very special. The way she whips her punches like Dalsam for if we're staying on the video game uh, mm-hmm. uh, track, she shoots them out like rubber bands. It's crazy, and and there's no denying it, man. Like yeah, fight of the year, two belt champion, and or two weight division champion. And even though no one wants to fight at 145 because it leads to nowhere, she still has the belt. She's still the champ. And uh, who's gonna beat her? I think Shevchenko beat her. You know, just <laughs> just saying. I think she beat her the last fight, but it doesn't matter. She didn't get the win. So if there's anyone that could do it, it could be Shevchenko. But, I mean, she's got her own work cut out for her at 125. So, I mean, I really, for the life of me, I feel like they got to make the Shevchenko trilogy. There's no, no other fight is more interesting at this point. I feel like Amanda just, <clears throat> and I get it. You already have two wins over Shevchenko. You to go for the third, just to let let's say she wants to take Valentina's belt. That's just almost, man. That almost turns you into like a WWE villain going <laughs> and coming at her. It's just so tough to see it. Um, I do think Valentina will move up, and it's like you know what? If I can't do it now, maybe that's just it, you know. But um, uh, it's tough. Uh, I do think Valentina. This is her year to try to win it. Wei Li Zhang, this is her year to try to win it. But you're up against a girl who already won everything with Amanda Nunes. That's a very tough one to do, in my opinion. Yeah, and the competition, the, the level of competition at, at 125, at 115 is strong. But but the, the huge names were in the higher weight classes. And so even though there's more better competition in the lower weight classes right now, like to make a, to make your name, to make a name for yourself, defeating Chris Cyborg, defeating Holly Holm, even I'll put Jermaine Durandamy in there. Like these are the the bigger names in the women's weight classes and the women's divisions right at this moment. That's not going to last, but but that's partially why Amanda Nunes gets the nod because her her opponents were just, as you said, her schedule was just stronger. Oh man, it's it's a scary world she's made at 135. People are wondering, <laughs> you know, like yes, Amanda, move up to 145. Let us have the cake again, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's just a... That's the world she's created, and that's all credit to her. Let's move on. Male Fighter of the Year. So I think for most people, it was kind of 1A and 1B. 
But whoever you picked, most people most people weren't really torn on it. It was close, but you knew who was your pick. I think a lot of people did. So um, I will say we did have disagreeing opinions, but I'm going to toss it to you. Who was your pick? Fighter of the year. Yeah, my pick was uh, Mr. Scarface himself, Jorge Masvidal. Um, apart from just loving the walkout music from from the movie Scarface, which is one of my favorites, I, I think I have said that here on this uh, on this podcast before. But the trajectory of his uh, his story from the beginning of the year to now, it's amazing. Like you know, Israel Adesanya uh, or Henry Cejudo. Or, you know, if you're looking at Bellator, maybe Pitbull, like any of the other people you could have been considering for fight of the year, they were already, you already knew what who they were, what they were capable of. You already had high hopes for them. But Jorge Mazadal came out of nowhere, right? Till Edwards, uh, you know, in that mini fight and, and Askren. So, and then going for the BMF and beating, soundly beating Nick, uh, Nate Diaz, even though, you know, the fight was called Dr. Stoppage. Like he was, he was beating him and he was going to continue to do so. So that trajectory for me and the, the personality, the attitude, the, the, the style, the wardrobe, uh, choices that he makes, like all of that adds up, adds up to being fighter of the year for me. You know what? I think the thing about Jorge, ironically, was just the style point. He kind of bottled that thing that you can't, reproduce is that like and I mentioned it the Nate Diaz factor he he's another guy who just doesn't care about the machine he doesn't care about this this is legit who he is he has his you know and also the fans came up with a lot like the street Jesus thing he yeah. told me himself I didn't start that that was somebody that was other people and you know I just he kind of rode the wave saying he's baptizing people um, well, you know, for the record, I think that's all in good fun. You know, don't take it too seriously, people. <laughs> but, um, I mean, you follow, you back that up with all these performances. And like I said, he kind of had that X factor that you can't buy. You can't practice. You can't, uh, you can't create it, really. You either have it or you don't. And that appeal to him, that, I'll say it, street cred, quite bluntly, he has it. And he had some great performances, um, the Till fight, I mean, no one expected him to just starch Till in London. People expected him to have to compete with Ben Askren, who'd never lost before. I did say stylistically he always had Nate Diaz number, but even I didn't think it would be that one-sided. I really did think it would be a little more competitive, but man, he just put it on Nate for, what was it, about close to 15, 20 minutes. It was a good one, so Jorge deserves consideration. I have him at 1B. I really do think he had an amazing year. I just went with Israel Adesanya. <laughs> I just thought he fought tougher competition. Kelvin Gastelum earned a title shot last year. Kelvin Gastelum was supposed to be fighting Rob Whitaker for all the marbles in November. And then he fought the GOAT, Anderson Silva. And not for nothing, he had a great line. He said, I know he's a GOAT, but from, I'm from New Zealand. We eat GOAT. I love that line. I wish more people talked about it than three-piece in a soda. And then yeah. not for nothing, he had the epic knockout of Robert Whitaker in Australia. Um, all respect to Jorge, I just thought Izzy had a slightly tougher schedule. And uh, that, for me, gave the cake. I think that on style points, they both brought it. Izzy's a star. Jorge's a star. 
I just think that Izzy's opponent's just a little bit tougher, and that gave him the nod to me. Yeah, I mean, they are tougher, for sure. And so, no arguments there, and I can totally see why you made that pick, and and, and classifying both of these guys as 1A, 1B is, is probably the right way to go, because you can make a case, as we both have done, for either one of these guys. So, I ain't mad at your pick. It, it totally makes sense, and, uh, you know, tomorrow I may feel like uh, it should have been Israel Adesanya. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, fighting Anderson Silva, that's pretty special. And then you add all the other stuff. <laughs> I mean, he just really brought it. And he was very nice to me in person when I interviewed him. That, that helps. Was, my, my, not to, Jorge was too, don't get me wrong. But <laughs> I just like to bring up these things every now you and then. You just made Jorge Mazadal very angry. I know he's listening. Oh, man. <laughs> Jorge, you know I'm not a BMF. Don't come at me, bro. <laughs> Dude, I can't, you know, I don't. I can't handle a three-piece in a soda. I usually just, I don't even get the fry. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, <laughs> so, uh, Natalie, the year in review. Um, so, a lot of fun, a lot of good fights, a great year to be a fan, which always, that, I think that's what matters most. I, at the end of the day, it's sports entertainment, and we were entertained. I enjoy this. That's why I do it. I know you enjoy it. That's why we're here and we're friends and we have a show where we can enjoy talking. Um, I think that my big question, the move to streaming, you had UFC on an app, Bellator on an app, one championship on an app. Uh, Ryzen is technically on an app. Uh, Combate Americas was on an app. Um, did it, I mean, did it really impact it now that I feel like we've fully moved? MMA is a streaming sport, not necessarily a TV sport. Yeah, I think, I think it was a huge move. It was, it was the right move. You know, I think Dana White said that's the future, rightly said that's the future and let's get there as soon as possible. There are still a lot of uh, issues for me, like interface functionality issues that I have specifically with ESPN uh, but DAZN is doing DAZN has done it best, I think, and um, and I, I like their model. You know, you pay the well, it's nine ninety nine for those of us who jumped on early, but I think it's going to go up right to nineteen ninety nine for those for us too. But yep. uh, anyone who signs up now, I think, pays the nineteen ninety nine price, which is pretty high, and that definitely has me considering like thinking twice about if I want to keep <coughs> keep it uh, once they change the price for me. I but gotta, in any case, we got to get a side hustle just to pay for MMA. Know, just to pay for MMA, oh my goodness. Scott Coker, come on, man, help I'm me still, out. I'm still paying for Fight Pass. I mean, gosh almighty, I don't know. So, hey, those Invicta fights are bomb. I mean, yeah, there's, well, yeah, I wish they would all just come together on a, on a website uh, called, you know, Fight. Now, oh. No, I know that there is a F-I-T-E, Fight TV or whatever that you can buy pay-per-views from, but I wish they would all just, you know, get... Uh, Blog together in one place. Um, yeah. but, but in any case, uh, what bothers me most about streaming is the the poor quality of the ESPN uh, rewind and and forward function. Uh, at least for me, you know, when I cast it from my phone, the the cast goes through seamlessly, but then I cannot control the the fight anymore. I can't rewind. I can't do anything for my phone. I can't do it for my TV. It like breaks the connection, even though the fight's still playing. So all these little things that really drive me bananas, and I hate that you have to pay for separately for the pay per view. I get it, and I'm I do it just just like they want me to. But that's the stuff that really gets my goat is that it's it's streaming, 
and it's not seamless, even though it should be. Like you're talking about ESPN and now Disney, right? Disney or Disney, Disney Plus, like their interface is the same crappy, excuse my language, crappy interface as ESPN. And like, I feel like all you have to do is go look at Netflix, look at what they're doing, like just copy it. Like, why is that so hard to do? I don't understand. <coughs> no, That's my gripe. <laughs> no, you, you have a lot of technical uh, gripes that are very shared by the fan base, I'll tell you right now. Um, I'm with you. I, I think to me, um, I'm going to, I'm with you there. I wish you everything were easier. My Disney Plus doesn't autoplay. This makes me very mad when I have to get up <laughs> off my couch because I don't have the cast. I still have to get down to the floor and move my laptop if I'm streaming Disney Plus. Um, I don't have that issue with Netflix, um, thankfully. But um, for me, uh, I think the thing I was most impressed with on the streaming side, uh, I expected, my, my question are all the people who want to watch MMA still going to be watching their MMA? I mean, every time I looked at it and thought about it, my answer was, yeah, it looks like they did. I didn't see anyone who was saying, oh, man, I can't watch UFC like I used to. No, by now, everyone knows how to make your Netflix, make your app work on your TV or watch it on your phone or whatever computer. Everyone's on the same page. I think that speaks to our, you know society today our culture this is how we do things and it is common knowledge enough to everybody that the fact that you're not clicking a channel and doing dvr like we were five years ago isn't as much of an issue anymore and i think that's you know if anything to me i'll be honest it was like man we really are living in the next you know world now so i will say that i was very impressed with it i think i was just very impressed with how streaming Everyone got on board. It wasn't as big an issue on the big picture. Yeah, there's still some things that could be worked out technically. I think that's always going to be technology, but for the most part, we got it. Um, in terms of other stuff, well, I already forgot my list. Hold on. I was doing so well. Oh, yeah. New champions. Some people retired. Some people got into the sport. What were your thoughts on the big year just we saw in the cage? Yeah, it was, it was very, very exciting, surprising. Like we went through some of the some of the picks. Like, yeah, Whaley Zhang, that was a really, really fun, surprising new champion. Um, I'll I'll reiterate, you know, one of my picks, the way Henry Cejudo beat Marlon Moraes, also amazing. Askren retiring. Um, I guess I'm only just recapping what we already talked about, mm -hmm. but um, they were they were memorable memorable moments in the year. And, and, uh, still like the, some of the, the big names that, that we've had already for a while are still the big names. John Jones is still a big name. Conor McGregor is still the biggest name. Amanda Nunes is continuing to build her legacy. And, uh, I think what's exciting about 2020 or, or just looking forward, right. For not specifically next year, but what's exciting about it is that we have some, really nice young stars coming up. But for me, what's exciting is that those, those classic names are still like the big names. And so I, I can't wait to see some of our biggest stars get, get after it in the, in the coming year, like Conor McGregor. And you know, we're going to see John Jones soon too. And whatever will become of, of DC and Stipe, if that fight ever gets, you know, finally booked, I'm pretty excited about, about seeing, seeing those things come together for sure. 
I think for me, um, look, it's there are a lot of good fights. I mean, I, just thinking about it, I mean, Korean Zombie and what he did, Jan Blahovich and Tiago Santos and all these other guys who perform well, the girls who perform well, um, just uh, the fights and the young guys. I mean, you look at the Macy Barber, AJ McKee, and all these things that these uh, men and women are doing. I think to me, what I'm really excited for is I do think we're on the cusp of a superstar turnover. And yeah, Conor McGregor's the man. And we're, yeah, Tony Habib, that's going to be the biggest fight of the year. But who's next? Who's going to be the household? I'm the man in MMA now. And you know, you're talking, is it going to be Adesanya? Can it be Masvidal? Because he's different and all that. Is it, you know... What's next for these other guys? Volkanovsky and uh, Kamar Usman. Can they break through a little bit? And obviously, you know, the fight game, you know, personalities and timing and matchups, all of that plays a factor. But for me, I want to see, is Izzy going to be the next superstar? Is John Jones versus Izzy possibly going to be our Mayweather-McGregor, the next one, the one that's like, man, you know, stop what you're doing. As for the night off of work, we're having the party. Everyone needs to see this fight. I really want to see if that's what's next because I think, I think it's exciting. I think it's always fun when there's new blood. And yes, we still got our old favorites that really tried and true. They're your favorite flavor ice cream. They're always there. So I like that also. I'm with you. But um, yeah, I think for me, so many guys that you like to see perform well did and I think that that just bodes well for 2020. I'm, I'm ready to see it. And I think that everyone, all, so many names are poised for big years that how can you not be excited for it? Yeah, and it's interesting. Will you, will you point out, rightly point out, you know, will, who will be the next, uh, who's going to be coming up in the turnover, the superstar turnover, right? Israel, Jorge. And if you think about their ages, like they're both, you know, or older and and just about as old as the folks who are already our big names like Connor and John Jones. So it is kind of interesting that we're not necessarily looking at young new superstars. We're just looking at new superstars. Um, but my thinking a little bit deeper, <laughs> comically deeper, uh, I am curious how after losing to Kamar Usman, how do you think Colby Covington's going to come out of this and uh, in, in, in the next couple of years, do you think he's going to stick with the shtick? Or is he going to try something new, try to just be himself? Uh, any, any thoughts there? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but I'm very curious about how he's going to be. I wish that Colby wouldn't have to do what he feels he's doing. Colby has made a lot more money. Colby has, is sleeping in a nicer bed with nicer sheets and all that. Colby, you did what you had to do. End it now. <laughs> You're a talented... You are a heck of a fighter. You freaking had some heart in that fifth round. End the madness, please. That's my hope. Yeah, I hope my he hope does. <laughs> I, think, I hope he takes the chess on an approach. He has to think outside the box, but he's less inflammatory. Yeah, yeah. That, if that's the answer you're looking for, I think that's his plan in 2020. I like it. But yeah, Natalie, we have a big year. We are kicking it off next week with the first UFC event of the year. And how about that? Conor McGregor's comeback against Cowboy Cerrone. 
Um, there's so many questions about the fight being at 170. Is Connor still going to be as popular? Is it going to be this and that? And what's next for everybody involved? I am ready for it. And fans, guess what? I will be on location. So I'll be coming to you guys from Las Vegas to give you all the inside scoop on what's going on. So be on the lookout on all of my channels and social media. I post my interviews like crazy. So if you don't know that by now, I don't know what else to tell you. But yeah, so definitely tune in. Natalie, I am looking forward to another year of MMA Daily. I enjoy the, our show. I enjoy the fact that we could talk about this all day. Just thank you for being here. It was a great, great show to share with you and just recap a lot of stuff. Yeah, hey man, thanks thanks to you two for, uh, for, for bringing me into the fold here. I had a, a, an amazing time talking to you, talking with everybody about MMA. And I'm looking forward to 2020 just as much as you are and um, and especially to next Saturday. I can't wait to see that fight, man. And I'm, I'm happy that you're going to be there and you can get us some of that inside scoop. Can't wait to hear it. I need to get some MMA Daily t-shirts and just throw them out in the crowd <laughs> like, come on, guys. Yeah, <laughs> and you need a t-shirt gun. Oh, my God. That, well, you know. You gotta be careful with that in Vegas. Yeah, don't you know? just don't aim at just, anyone's just face. Just get the hands, get the just hands. Yeah. I got a good arm. It's not Tom Brady, <laughs> but it'll do. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> guys, we will be back next week to talk about everything UFC 246, Connor, Cowboy, and everything. Until then, have a good one. Thanks for listening. <laughs>